You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. 17 minutes and 40 seconds. Start. We are still in the book of 1 Corinthians. We are in chapter 2. And uh, I want to remind you of a few things that God is speaking to the Corinthian church about that are relevant to us. Remember that this letter, and when we read Paul's words, they're written to people in the church. They're written to Christians, okay? So I want to clarify some of that today and tell you why that's important. But he's writing to a church also, like us, that's on mission. And they're on mission in a world that needs to understand and experience God's love. And the way that people experience God's love or the way that the kingdom of God moves on mission is through the power of the Spirit. And that the Corinthian church were getting aspects of the gifts and the power right, but really had missed out on love. They had forgotten how to love people well in the church, and they had forgotten how and the importance of loving people well out of the church. And the response of the community was separation from the church, and the response of the church was it created hierarchy, there was snobbery, there was pride, there was the abuse of gifts, there was the emphasis of certain gifts over other gifts, people in the body were being shamed. I mean, all the things that we, that we can experience in our church if we forget this component of love. Well, in this part of the chapter, dude, I feel like I'm in a lightning storm here. In this part of the chapter, we... Um, we see Paul talking about the spirit and, the, and wisdom. And really what Paul does in this, in this little section, I'm not going to have time to do my whole talk tonight because we're, we're this morning, because um, I want to go to the beach. But the, uh, what's happening here is that Paul is contrasting or paralleling two kinds of people. There are spiritual people and unspiritual people. There are faithful people who are following God and people who are not following God. And there are people who are being filled with and pursuing the wisdom of the world, and or the people who are pursuing and loving God and God's wisdom and God's truth and being filled with God's wisdom. And there are people who are being filled with and pursuing the wisdom of the world. And he kind of spends the rest of chapter 2 talking about the importance of being a person who is spiritual, the value of being a person who is spiritual, the power that comes to that person, the wisdom that when that person is filled with, they have discernment that is unlike the discernment of the world. And so he's drawing this really clear picture as he talks to the church, as he talks to the Christians about how they should be living and acting. And as I was praying this morning, I thought, well, how is this relevant to what I feel like God's doing in our church right now? And I think it's relevant on two levels. One level is on the bumper sticker level, and that is this, is that this bumper sticker says, I love Jacks," and that there's this reality that we need to believe as a corporate community. And that is this, we are called, as we understand the mysteries of God on how to live, on how to experience life to the full, the best way that sex is supposed to work, the best way marriage works, the best way business works, the best way life works happens only as we are filled with spiritual truth and knowledge that come from the Holy Spirit. And that we have been given this mystery. We have been given the key to how life is lived on its best terms. And we are called to love people in a way, to love people in a way, 
that they experience that mystery in their life also. So that's one of the things that Paul's getting at. A church that has forgotten the responsibility and their role to love the city that they've been placed in. And that's why we have these bumper stickers as a physical, tangible reminder that we not only love the people who come to our church, but we love everyone in Jacksonville. We are for local business. We go to local places. We support local industry. We love the Jaguars. We, and I love the Minnesota Vikings and the Gators a lot, but I love the Jaguars also, and I'm rooting for them. Every little way, we are for our city because God has placed us here with a, with a message that brings freedom and life and love in a way that people are dying to hear but can't because they're unspiritual, because they haven't been told what that looks like. And so that's on a corporate level. But on an individual level, just this week I was talking to my wife. And this is where I have to use some discernment. I mean, for oh, many reasons. But one reason is that as a leader of the church, I have to be cautious on how much I reveal about what's happening with me personally. Because, I mean, people either love to drag me through the mud and make themselves feel better, or they like to put me on a pedestal so that they can just, you know, settle for mediocrity in life. What you don't like is whenever I talk about my brokenness or my, my struggles, because then it kind of makes us even. And it's just like, well, man, if family's struggling with that, and then, I mean, well, I mean, how does that work out in my life? And, you know, I can't worship him anymore. I really have to do rely on Jesus. And so, I know. I know. So I'm being cautious here, but I'm being honest too. I want to tell you this, and, and this came to me just in worship. The way this, what Paul is trying to say, talk to us, what he's trying to say to us individually is this, is he says, if you have been filled with the Spirit, and you have been, and you are are one of the people that have spiritual wisdom that's been given to you, and you understand how the mysteries of life that God has given us to live work themselves out, then don't, don't continue to go to the world to find those things. Don't continue to dabble in the world and also dabble with God. And Paul is like, he's exhorting, as I was reading this this week, I was feeling convicted on my own desire. How, how forward do I look to Friday nights being off work and, you know, having a few glasses of wine with Laura and enjoying date night and like how, how I mean, that's that good thing. But if it becomes what I'm going to, to relieve me from the stress and the pressure of work or this world, then it, it can be too much. Or how much emphasis am I working or am, I, or am I placing on physical appearance? Or how much, you know, I have a little treadmill desk in there. And I find myself like I'm not having quite, I can't have a quiet time like when I'm trucking on the treadmill, right? So it's like I find myself spending more time working at my little tread desk than I am like spending time being quiet and soaking with God, which is the normal way that I like to start my week and plan my sermons and those things. I find myself like just dabbling a little more and finding things in the world that I know that, I've been, that have been created for me and the flesh. And, and I think that the message that Paul's trying to communicate to us through this passage of Scripture is that when we have been entrusted with spiritual wisdom, we've felt that when we experience the truth of God and the power of God and the love of God in our life, that we will only be disappointed when we go back to the world to try to find those truths again, if that makes sense to you. And so I can just tell you that this, com- that this struggle that we have is common to us all. And where we are in that continuum, I think Paul wants us to struggle with and to realize that we are all called to be on this journey of being fully filled again and again, fully empowered and living a life that God desires for us that is only met when we are filled with the Spirit of God, living a, a Spirit-oriented life, a life that's been unlocked by the mysteries of God 
in Jesus Christ for us. And so just I can just tell you that I say that knowing that we all struggle with that. We all, I mean, I know, I counsel you, I talk to you, I hear, I know that we all struggle with this issue of dabbling in the world, finding satisfaction in the world when God's desire is to fill us and to find satisfaction in the things of the Spirit for us to act differently from the world. I'm going to read through this scripture and then I'm going to reread through it explaining some of the important bits that you'll misunderstand that I had no clue about either. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. It says this, Yet among the mature, we do... Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths, to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would come this morning and open our ears to the power of your Spirit to hear the truth that will bring us freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. The first verse. Let's go back to the first verse. Let's leave this up there. I'm going to walk you through it, the important bits. I don't have time to do the whole thing. It says this, just first away, first shot. Yet among the mature, and some of you in the room are thinking like, there's two groups of you. That's me. I am among the mature. I've been a Christian a long time. And I don't much have to worry about the struggles that Antley has because I'm doing just fine. I read my Bible every day. I worship every day. Da, 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 da. And so Paul is kind of just saying, you, seriously, you think that there are like levels of Christians? You think that there are like levels of Christians that somehow there are super Christians like Billy Graham and then the kid who just became a Christian that God loves one more than the other? No, 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 you moron. That's not what I'm saying at all, says Paul. And to the others, there are those of you here saying like, oh, yeah, that's not me. Because like Antley, I really struggle with my love for the world. I had a friend give me this like really good bottle of beer this week. I got so excited about it. It was like a bigger bottle, right? It was like really expensive and it was free. And it was one of the things that the Lord convicted me on. Like how excited I am about this bottle of, it was just one bottle. It was so, I have like, I've put in the free, like I'm waiting. So I'm done with the beach with you today, and I'm going to go enjoy it. Like when my weekend starts tomorrow. And I thought, man, the Lord, you know, but we think like, like oh, I am just, woe is me. I'm horrible. I'm not one of the mature. I'm maybe not even a Christian. I am just, I struggle. I suck. Just, I'm horrible. That's you. And Paul's like, no, there are no divisions. 
Paul, again, he's drawing a contrast. There are spiritual people who have been filled with the Spirit, period. And there are people who are not, who do not know the things of God, who are not filled with the Spirit. There are either, you are either filled with the Spirit and you are a believer and you're included in the mature, or you're not. Now, is that to say that some Christians are not more mature than others? No, I'm not. I am saying that there are Christians more mature than others, but that's not who Paul is speaking to right now. Paul is speaking to all the Christians in the church, everyone in the church who is filled with the Spirit. That's right off. We've got to remember that right away because some of you don't even listen to the rest of it because you're thinking, well, Paul's not speaking to me. I've got to worry about this because I'm not one of the mature. Or I am the mature and I helped write the Bible. This part I think God got from me. But there is no division when it comes to our delineation amongst each other. We are either filled with the Spirit, we are seeking spiritual wisdom, seeking to live a godly life, seeking to be empowered by the Spirit, seeking to be pleasing to God, or we're not. Those are the differences. That's the contrast that Paul's drawing, that he's intentionally drawing here when we read this word, okay? And he says, we do impart wisdom. And again, we're going to see throughout this whole thing how Paul is imparting spiritual wisdom and talking about spiritual wisdom that comes from God and then a wisdom that is very different for this other group of people that come from the world. We do impart wisdom, a spiritual wisdom that's from the Holy Spirit. And again, Paul began, he's having to defend in this very knowledge-based church the simplicity of the gospel message, that the power of what Jesus has done is very simple. And that if anyone were to hear it, they would understand. And that the power of it comes not in the eloquence. We, remember, we talked about this the first or second week. Not in the eloquence of the words being said, but the power comes from the Spirit. And how the Spirit makes those words what they are in the truth for the spiritual person. And it goes on, although it is not a wisdom of this age from this world that is rational or the rulers of this age. Now, here's, we have some clarification. When it says rulers of this age, they're not talking about demonic rulers of this age. They're talking clearly and squarely about people who are in the world, of the world. Not rulers, but he also, when you look at the verb tense of this, or the, not the verb tense, but when you look at the language of this, what, what you get is that he's not talking about just these rulers. He's talking about all rulers, all leaders everywhere that do not submit to the authority and the love of God in their life, who are unspiritual, who are unspiritual, we're all, he's categorizing everybody in that separate group. Again, drawing a contrast, okay? Although it's wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Doomed, we're doomed. We're doomed to pass away. <laughs> I'm not gonna get too much into this. This is a sermon on its own. But again, he's, again, just drawing this contest, this contrast of people that are not gonna pass away, spiritual people, to people who will pass away non-spiritual people, people who get wisdom from God, who understood, who are filled with the Spirit, to people who are not, who are filled with the world, the knowledge of the world, and the wisdom of the world. Their knowledge, their wisdom, and their power all will pass away, is what Paul's trying to say. And remember, Paul's talking to a church has valued the things of the world above the things of God, and they've been dabbling in these things, and Paul is saying, the message that I preach, that Timothy and Silas preach along with me, it's a simple message, but it's powerful, and it will never pass away like these things of the world. But we impart, and here's the other side of it, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. And when you read this word, it really means a mystery, a wisdom that comes from God through his spirit. 
that empowers us to see and understand his wisdom and truth. Wisdom here signifies the wise acts of God and the salvation of man. That's the mystery. What is the mystery of God? The things that God has done that will not and cannot be understood unless our eyes are open to them by the power of the Spirit. So the mystery that we have been brought into is the mystery of Christ and the cross and of our salvation and of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in our life. That's the mystery. And he's saying that this will not be understood, cannot be understood, if you're seeking to find it through your own knowledge. If you're pursuing it from a worldly perspective, it will not happen. It will happen, though, through a simple message that's empowered by the living spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's the mystery. And I'm going to talk about, I mean, that's why, like, yeah, as you'll see in the third paragraph, okay, which I'm going to have to scr- scr- scramble to. Which God created before the ages for our glory. He decreed before the ages for our glory. I want to unpack this real quick because this is a powerful statement right here. Before God created us or the world, he saw, he decreed, he saw, he understood what was going to happen in terms of our sin, in terms of our brokenness. He saw and understood the need for Jesus Christ to enter the scene. He saw and understood before the creation of the world how things were going to work out. He saw it, he understood it, and he made it happen. And he worked things out in the Spirit for his glory. That's what that little statement, that's what that little line means. And it emphasizes the power of God, the sovereignty of God, that God knows and sees and is doing everything, holding everything together. And again, he's contrasting like, the value of being called into that as a spiritual being, as a spiritually filled person with his wisdom, with his love, and with his power through his spirit for our glory. That God saw before he created the world, when he created the world, he began to create. He knew you. He knew you. He knew what your name was going to be. He saw you with his eyes. He saw you. And he saw the plan and how it was going to unfold in your life so that one day you would love him and serve him and the mystery of his son dying for you would be unlocked in your life for your glory, for our glory. What does that mean? You see, as we come into living a life that is spiritually filled, we're being spiritually led by the Spirit, we begin to look and act like Jesus. We begin to take on the beauty of Jesus, and that glorifies God. Because, again, we can't do that by reading a book. We can't do that by hearing or by thinking correctly. We are only transformed into the beauty of Christ by the beauty of Christ in us, which comes through the Holy Spirit. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Duh, of course they wouldn't have. I'm like, Paul, you don't need, that's a line you could have left out, bro. I mean, seriously? Hey, that's the king of glory. I know that's the king of glory. I know he's the beginning of creation. I know who he is. He's going to save the world. Yeah, we're going to kill him anyway. No, I don't think so, Paul. But anyway, it's in there. But that's what, it's, it's letting us know what they didn't know and the power of what happens when we know who Jesus really is. Okay? But as it is written, and he quotes Isaiah here, 64, 
which is what Paul always does. He goes back to Scripture to support his main points. He says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man, what that translates into is the mind of man, imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed through the Spirit of God, through the Spirit. Okay, so this is what Paul's emphasizing. He says, these things of God, the love of God, the blessings of God, how much God loves you, the story of Christ, these things you can't, you cannot process through your eyes information that will lead you to them. You cannot hear and process through your physical body, through your ear, this information that will help you unlock and understand God's blessings. You cannot process in your mind or read something that will cause you to think correctly about Jesus. That it only comes, the blessings of God are only understood through the Holy Spirit, through the power of God being revealed in your life through the Spirit. And Paul, so he does this whammy on him. It's amazing how Paul does this. When you read more about this, he quotes scripture and he says, yeah, not your eye, not your head, not your body, not anything that you can do will get you into the mysteries of God, into the blessings of God. It's only God. It's only surrendering to God. And he says, has revealed to us through his spirit. The next two paragraphs, again, Paul goes on. To kind of, I don't have time to unpack these next two paragraphs. So I'm not going to. But as I was putting the talk together, it baffled me. It, I really struggled with this idea that why do we go back and dabble with the things of the world? If the secrets and the blessings and the love that we experience in God can only be experienced through the Spirit, then why, why do we dabble? Why do, when we see the fork in the road, why do we go, why do we, why do we struggle so much to take that fork? The fork that leads to life. The fork that leads us into the wisdom that comes from the Spirit. You know, and I think Paul's wanting us to know. And he's telling us, and he's telling the people of Corinth that the intimacy of Christ, he goes on to say this in the, in the third paragraph, that our willingness to take that fork that leads to life comes in understanding the intimacy, and the love relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. And when we neglect our love relationship with Jesus Christ, we will begin to consistently try to find that love in the world. And it might be through a fancy bottle of beer, or through being fit, or through your spouse, or where your kids go to school and making them the perfect little children. Or it might be through a relationship that you want to be in just because you haven't dated someone in a long time and you just want that love there. It might be through money. It might be through your job. But Paul connects this reality and he tells us that if we stop seeking to find life in the spirit and the wisdom that comes in the spirit, the love that comes through the spirit and intimacy with Jesus, we will all begin to choose the things of the world. And there are no shortcuts to that. How do we do that? Well, we're intentional. We're intentional to pursue Jesus. We're intentional to make him the center of our life. We're intentional to seek to love him, knowing that as we do and we avail ourselves, we open ourselves to the Spirit, that we will be filled. We will be filled with the Spirit as we ask to be filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, we'll experience more of the love that Jesus has for us.
Now, a lot of us, when we think of ourselves, we don't really believe that we're all equal, do we? We really struggle to believe that God loves us as much as he maybe loved Billy Graham. We really struggle to believe that God's favor is always shining on us, that his face is always smiling when he looks at us, even when you fail, that he loves you, that he cares for you, and that the Spirit is always working out. When we look at this word, and I wish I had more time, as we look at this word and unpack this word, spiritual wisdom in our life, it's, it, it's God's desiring us to yield to him in a way that we would experience regularly in our lives the blessings of God and the love of God that will transform life for us. And when we come to that fork in the road and we make the other choice, it doesn't change the way God loves you. It doesn't change his favor on you. It doesn't change anything about how he feels about you. But it could cause pain in your life. Because you're choosing to live under the wisdom that comes from the world. I talk to people all the time. They say, I just feel like God abandoned me. I'm like, well, what were you doing? They're like, well, I was out in all these crazy relationships, doing drugs and chewing with a rock band. Really? Oh, there's my time right there. You know, and I'm like, God still loves you. He's still pursuing you. He hasn't gone anywhere. You've been off touring with the rock band. He's been with you the whole time. It's just like, you don't care. And that will lead to pain in our life. That will lead to suffering in our life. But God hasn't gone anywhere. God's love for you has never changed. But we kind of look at ourselves, you know, we kind of treat ourselves like wine. And like there are different levels of wine. Like, like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like a 1,800 bottles of wine. You're like a, you know, Boone's Farm. You're MD 2020. I'm like a, nah, a nice Pinot Noir. You know, whatever that is. Pinot Noir. Cabernet. A Merlot. I'm like a fine Merlot. You're like MD 2020. You're like malt fortified, baby. And I'm like, but that's how we kind of think of ourselves. We think of ourselves in these levels of Christianity and these levels of like we're more mature than other people. And that causes, that pride causes us to move away from God. And Paul's message, the why he starts with that, the mature, everyone, is that we're all the same. We're all equal. We're all on this journey. We all need to be encouraging each other, loving each other, caring for each other, supporting each other, not judging each other, walking with each other, in relationship with each other. Someone told me, I was like, I don't want to go to the beach with the, with the church. I don't want to go to the beach today with our church. I'm like, that's awesome attitude, honey. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. She's like, I don't want to be with a bunch of people seeing me in my bikini. I'm like, well, then leave, leave your cover up on and just hang out with everybody. I'm just kidding. Kind of. But we all feel that way. Not maybe for that reason, but for different reasons. We're like, oh, man, I got to go to the beach with a bunch of Christians. The better we are at loving, accepting, building relationships with each other, the more that we're, we're going to begin to believe that we're all just the same. We're all the same. We're in different roles. We're called to do life together. We're called to love each other. Am I in trouble? Okay. <laughs> she didn't say bikini. She said bathing suit. Okay. There anyway. But the more we do that regularly together, the more we are going to receive and bless and encourage and walk with and not judge one another. 
what was happening in the Corinthian church. And the more we believe that and we see our brokenness, the more we're going to realize that the mystery that's been uncovered in our eyes, the, the power that's opened our eyes to the truth of the mysteries of Jesus Christ was a gift. That we didn't earn it. We didn't figure it out one day. It was a gift that was given to us by God. And once we realize that that was a gift, what do we want to do with it? We want to go share it with the world. We want to put the I Heart Jacks thing on our car if we're a single person, even though this is one of the worst cities to live in as a single person, because we love our city. And maybe there are only four spots to go to when you're a single person. Bold City Intuition, Bold Bean, and one other place that I'm not cool enough to know about. And you put the sticker on your car and you back in because you're not sure you want the people at that location to see you. But you believe that it's true because you've received this mystery. And so everywhere you go, like the woman who was talking to the lady on the phone about her, you know, her bill, her electric bill. Everywhere you go, you carry this mystery within, you know, inside of you that you want to share with other people. Because the only way they're going to understand it is if you tell them about it. Because the other major point that Paul makes is that there's no way they're going to figure it out on their own. There's no way. It will only be through the power of the Spirit. And this and the power of the Spirit lives in you. The power of the Spirit lives in you. Let's stand.